It is the most dire staffing shortage situation in the history of modern hospitality in Australia. You may hear other industries saying that there's a workforce shortage, uh, especially in IT, but it is hospitality that is bearing the brunt, but it shows us just how reliant the hospitality industry is on migration and has been so for decades. Sydney and Melbourne are open. Dining out is back and the vaccinated economy is a reality. With restrictions continuing to ease, I thought it was a good opportunity to check in with Wes Lambert, head of the Restaurant and Catering Industry Association, to do a state of the world check-in. Wes, thanks for joining Dirty Linen. Wow, Danny, a state of the world. That's pretty broad, but uh, I'm happy to, uh, to do my best. Well, I know that you've got your eyes on a lot of things. Uh, and I mean, let's start with Sydney, where you're based. How is Sydney feeling to you? Oh, look, uh, with the announcement uh, made on Tuesday about uh, the uh, two square metres inside and uh, pulling forward uh, the easing of restrictions for hospitality, certainly restaurateurs are now jumping up and down from the 8th of November that uh, they'll be nearly back to uh, pre-lockdown capacities, Uh, certainly not loving the masks indoors for their staff, uh, but we'll continue fighting for that one. Uh, And uh, they were a little surprised about the unvaccinated um, patrons and staff being pushed uh, back to at least the 15th of December. Uh, But uh, New South Wales continues to uh, have a good vaccination rate. So we're absolutely confident uh, that we'll make that 15 December date. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing to be going for 95% 16 plus vaccination. It does, I suppose, I don't know, to me, it makes me feel even if I'm vaccinated, there are going to be so few people around me that aren't vaccinated. I think I would have a level of comfort. So let's just whip around the country. We've obviously got a number of states that are still locked away, uh, waiting to get those vaccination rates up. What are you hearing from businesses in states like South Australia, WA, Queensland, which has set a date, but uh, how are restaurateurs feeling in those states? Oh, look, uh, the states that are not uh, racing towards the 90 to 100 percent fully vaccinated rates that are lagging behind. Uh, Many of those businesses, uh, while they're enjoying their local customers uh, and certainly uh, at least flat from uh, 2019 revenue levels, they are certainly mindful that once borders reopen, uh, that because their premiers have not required vaccinations, uh, that there certainly might be some, uh, you know, some hotspots and potentially some local area lockdowns, uh, which is certainly worrying some of the hospitality businesses, especially those near the borders. Mm. And I mean, one thing that uh, there's a couple of things I really want to talk about today. One of them is when people have cases visit their venues, whether it's staff or it's customers and, you know, the protocols around that. How, I mean, I was looking through the exposure locations in Victoria yesterday and, you know, probably, you know, 20 or 25% of them are hospitality venues. How are you finding, you know, what are you hearing from people about how they're managing those situations? Oh, look, ultimately, both Victoria and New South Wales uh, have put out reasonable uh, close contact matrices that uh, basically mean that in a hospitality setting where everyone uh, needs to be fully vaccinated, uh, that uh, it's considered low risk for almost every interaction uh, while masks are still on staff uh, and patrons while they're standing. And so, you know, as masks rules 
ease, we do expect that um, those matrices uh, will continue to get better and better as those vaccination rates increase. Uh, but certainly, uh, there are, will be a few instances where there uh, may be some staff that do need to um, isolate for longer than just that uh, one day to get a test. Uh, there will be some seven and 14 day isolations, but it is certainly better than businesses needing to shut down fully uh, if they had any cases at all. So you haven't really heard of that many restaurants having to close completely? Uh, not yet, not with the new matrices that have been introduced in New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, certainly because everyone needs to be vaccinated to enter, uh, it, it actually has created a situation where it is quite difficult to get shut down. And I mean, in those, given that masks are a big part of the way those matrices look at the risk, why are you fighting for masks to not be worn by hospitality staff in New South Wales? Oh, look, ultimately um, the back of house staff uh, are required to wear masks in New South Wales at the moment. That's certainly very cumbersome for staff that don't come into any contact with customers at all. Uh, and certainly as we enter the warmer spring months and the very hot summer months, uh, it certainly will be very burdensome, especially considering that uh, in New South Wales and Victoria and hopefully around the country that we will be at that 95 plus uh, vaccination rate uh, for 16 plus year olds and even 12 plus year olds. Mm. All right, let's talk about the other thing that everybody is talking about, and that is staffing. I've just got off the phone from a restaurateur in Melbourne who described the staffing landscape as pure chaos, uh, talking about, you know, uh, poaching of staff, owners that are extremely overworked, senior staff very overworked. Um, you know, I guess staff, are, it's an employee's market, so pay rates are pretty good. Staff are certainly able to, um, they've got employers over a barrel in terms of what they can ask for in terms of pay and conditions. I mean, where, what are you hearing? Uh, it is the most dire uh, staffing shortage situation in the history of modern hospitality in Australia. Uh, on seek.com.au just a few days ago, there were nearly 85,000 open jobs in hospitality around Australia. Uh, and that represented 40% of all jobs on Seek. So you may hear other industries saying that there's a workforce shortage, uh, especially in IT, but it is hospitality that is bearing the brunt of that shortage. And it's actually mainly baristas, waitstaff, bartenders, uh, many of those positions that would have been filled seasonally by working holiday makers, by international students, and by the partners of skilled migrants. Uh, certainly, 43% uh, of the open positions are still those that require skilled migrants, but it shows us just how reliant the hospitality industry is on migration and has been so for decades. Uh, and certainly, uh, we're calling upon Australians to take up these jobs, to get the free training that many organizations like Restaurant and Catering uh, and State-Based TAFEs are offering uh, to fill those positions. But uh, it looks like Australians just don't want the positions and potentially that's uh, from years of hospitality getting a bad rap about paying conditions. But as you said, uh, some businesses are willing to pay now into the $40 per hour for jobs that were normally in the 20s. And many are also paying sign-on bonuses and retention bonuses. I mean, so 
you know, in some ways that just sounds great. You know, everybody should be paid properly for the hard work that they do. Uh, But, of course, somebody has to carry that cost. We know that margins in hospitality are extremely tight, so that cost presumably is passed on to consumers. Do you see a willingness among the dining public to carry that cost? Oh, look, ultimately everyone is jumping up and down to be free and to be able to dine out again. And in this supply and demand market where staff are at a premium and many businesses that used to be open six or seven days a week for two to three meal periods now moving to four or five days a week for one or two meal periods, uh, those seats in hospitality businesses are now at a premium and we are seeing prices increase Uh, from the price of a cup of coffee all the way up to your fine dining that are now leaning more towards those uh, price fix menus. I mean, where do you think the balance lies? Like, you know, anyone who's in hospitality would say they want the overseas workers back. As you've pointed out, there aren't necessarily Australians clamouring to do these jobs. But if there is, you know, a return of backpackers and international students and skilled Um, skilled workers, then inevitably there's downward pressure on wages and people won't be getting those sign-on bonuses, etc. You know, where do you think the balance lies? Oh, look, ultimately, once uh, people enter into contracts um, to work for businesses, we do expect that many of the uh, wage increases will stay. Uh, And in order to uh, pay for those, we do expect that prices, the price increases will stay. Look, ultimately, Uh, businesses are short 85,000 people today and they're still operating. And so when those uh, working holidaymakers, when those international students and when those skilled migrants are allowed back in, uh, they certainly will fill those available positions. uh, But then those businesses will be able to be open more days of the week and more more meal periods. Uh, So certainly on the other side of this, we do expect that restaurants uh, will make a little bit more margin, but also that wage costs, uh, dollar costs will increase. Mm. I mean, they are still operating for the most part, but as you say, yeah, reduced services. And in some cases, I, guess, I suppose still trying to operate under a previous paradigm where they were doing, let's say, you know, seven day service, lunch and dinner or whatever the business model is. But in that, in that scenario, there is so much stress and burnout among people in those businesses. I mean, what are you hearing or what do you anticipate there will be the, I guess, the mental health shakedowns from this situation? Oh, look, ultimately, uh, mental health uh, will continue to be a major issue. Uh, and we are grateful for uh, organizations like Beyond Blue and Lifeline that do provide those much needed mental health services. Uh, certainly, um, you know, if anyone is, is having mental health issues in hospitality, please call uh, one of those organizations. But there is a lot of burnout. There is a lot of overworking in the market right now. So it will be a Uh, certainly a blessing once we get those working holidaymakers, international students and skilled migrants, which is why we're calling on uh, the immigration minister to create uh, 100,000 specialty hospitality visas uh, to get uh, as many people back into Australia to work uh, in the hardest hit industry throughout the entire pandemic, both from restrictions, revenue loss, snap lockdowns and these major staffing issues. 
One thing that's really on my mind at the moment is that, you know, now the borders are open for Australians and permanent residents to return from overseas. We can leave and return. But people who are on temporary work visas have not had the, um, that opportunity or the borders are not open to them. I mean, what do you, I just, I'm so frustrated and angry about this. I just feel like it's a continuation of the disregard and unfairness that has been placed at the feet of these temporary visa holders who we can all agree we need to fill positions. I mean, what do you think that that's going to change anytime soon? Well, look, ultimately, we do hope that the federal government reopens uh, the borders to uh, tourists, to uh, international students in mass and to uh, migrants uh, in early 2022. Uh, they certainly have to work out um, the uh, availability of flights. Uh, in Australia, we went from over 60 international airlines coming in and out of Australia to under 10. And so that capacity is going to take a little while to build up. Uh, and certainly there will remain the issues of um, the proof of vaccine and proof of test. Uh, and we do hope and expect that the uh, Australian government uh, will quickly roll out uh, whatever digital solution that they're going to uh, require anyone coming in. But we do know that um, multiple factors will delay that into early 2022. Uh, we also have to accept that only about 40% of the world is double vaccinated. So we do expect that it will take a bit of time in 2022 uh, before we return to that um, net migration number. Mm. But, you know, if you're a visa holder that's clung on uh, without much government support through the pandemic, you're still here, but you now want to go home and visit family that you haven't seen for a few years. You can't leave and know that you can come back. I just think it's um, it's it's just cruelty upon cruelty. Yeah, ultimately, that that is uh, one of the. Um, you know, collateral problems with uh, with the travel ban that was on for so long and then just reopening to returning Australians it means Australians can actually go on vacation and go and come back while those uh, anyone who doesn't have a permanent visa or isn't a citizen cannot do that, uh, which certainly uh, is a bit discriminatory. Uh, but we hope that the government uh, moves quickly in 2022 to remove all restrictions. Yeah, I really hope so as well. One thing that's also on my mind is that, you know, with the staff shortages and with um, employees perhaps jumping from place to place, understandably, if they're offered more money, that you get a, a lack of consistency in restaurants. You get a sort of flattening of skills and creativity and, you know, the kinds of um, experiences that restaurants are able to offer. Certainly with a dire shortage of front of house staff, you know, we're seeing a lot of um, digital ordering, perhaps a reduction in the hospitality experience that is offered to guests. I mean, what do you think about that side of this equation? Oh, look, uh, the pandemic has certainly accelerated um, the technological boom in, in hospitality and also the revenue channels. Uh, uh, Pre-COVID, about 8% of uh, all revenues in hospitality businesses were takeaway and delivery. They were 100% during uh, many of the lockdowns. And now they've settled down anywhere between 30 and 40% for businesses. Uh, that's a huge uh, growth in technology. And we have heard from many hospitality businesses telling us that uh, they have embraced uh, table ordering. They have embraced uh, all of the technologies that were presented through COVID, QR codes, and uh, and many others. Uh However, they tell us that they're actually improving the productivity and efficiency of their businesses, but not requiring less staff. So, for example, if, if you have a table ordering uh, software 
that's on your phone and you can actually control the pace of uh, food being ordered and coming to your table, it actually takes more people to bring that food to you. So uh, restaurants are telling us that uh, they're able to turn their tables faster, uh, that the time on table is becoming more reasonable. There's no wait time for your first order for uh, your firing your mains or that second uh, beverage or coffee at the end or dessert, uh, that people are actually able to control that cycle, which is meant that um, that table will turn potentially uh, three times at lunch instead of two. Uh, and two times at dinner instead of one and a half. And so uh, ultimately, we do expect that technology won't replace uh, the wonderful hospitality workforce, uh, but just create more efficiency. What about the back of house side of things where it's a, you know about people simplifying menus, perhaps shortening menus, uh, reducing the opportunity for error in a, you know, a, a less skilled kitchen? Uh, I mean, I, I just want to be thrilled by the food that I eat out. I mean, I love a chicken parma as much as the next person. The, those kinds of things have their place. But do you think that we're at risk of just making dining out less exciting? Oh, look, ultimately, uh, many uh, areas in Australia, especially uh, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, um, the capitals, uh, ACT, uh, Hobart, that have these amazing, amazing uh, restaurants. So we do expect that those iconic restaurants will continue. Uh, but we do know that because of supply issues caused by COVID and because of those staffing issues uh, and businesses not wanting to risk uh, having a large menu with potential wastage, uh, we have noticed that menus have slimmed down. But what's left on those menus is still very high quality uh, and certainly amazing food. Um, but certainly we haven't seen those experimental type of cuisines uh, that we would have seen pre-pandemic. Mm, interesting. And just from, you know, just talking about your work, Wes, and, and the role of a lobbyist for the hospitality industry through this incredibly challenging period. How have you found that, you know, the Restaurant Catering Association is one of the main voices for the hospitality industry. I guess there's also the Australian Hotels Association, other smaller bodies agitating here and there. But, I mean, have you found governments receptive to what you've had to say? And what's it, you know, what's it been like for you? Oh, look, ultimately, we have collaborated uh, with the governments uh, in every state in the country uh, and certainly been a part of some of the major uh, changes and wins for the industry. Uh, in fact, just in recent days, um, we were able to get a um, advice uh, from a uh, commission in Queensland that was uh, making recommendations to the Attorney General about takeaway alcohol from restaurants, which has become quite popular. Uh, and they actually went against the proposed legislation of the Attorney General uh, and called for uh, craft beer and uh, wine and premixed spirits being allowed takeaway in Queensland for restaurants, cafes, caterers, and other businesses. Uh, and they credited restaurant and catering with changing their minds. And so it's really been small wins like that. Uh, getting clarification on roadmaps, uh, working with the government to pull roadmaps forward so that hospitality businesses could open earlier, uh, and continuing to work with the government you know, to temper expectations for some things like masks, uh, and working directly as the voice of the tens of thousands of restaurants, cafes, and caterers directly to government. And we've made ourselves available you know, almost seven days a week and 24 hours a day 
uh, because we are in a state of emergency and in a pandemic, and and certainly we want to be there for businesses. I mean, a lot of people have had cause to reflect on the Australian Federation and you know the the various levers that can be pulled at various levels of government. I mean, how have you found working across all those different jurisdictions? Oh, look, it certainly uh, requires a, a team that is very agile. Uh, we may be watching a presser or reading an early press release in one state and a, another state makes an announcement that uh, is profound, you know, and certainly having to change gears and, and move very quickly to ensure that members uh, find out the information uh, as quickly as possible. And so we can analyze uh, decisions that are made and, and help members to understand. Uh, certainly, it is it has been a very, very hard job for the past uh, nearly 21 months, but it's a job that we love uh, and that we will continue to do until COVID has passed us by. Mm, and I mean, what else like is on, let's, let's assume that COVID will eventually pass us by. I'm not sure what that's exactly going to look like. I guess obviously staffing and immigration are some of the big issues that still need to be considered. What are the other things that you're thinking about? You know, what do you feel like is, is going to be on your plate for the next couple of years? Oh, look, uh, if you look past COVID, if you look past 2022, the hospitality industry will continue to struggle uh, with things like FBT, with things like payroll tax, uh, with supply chain issues, uh, especially uh, you know, as the world gets more and more competitive. Uh, certainly staffing, which we think will continue to be an issue. Uh, and really that training and training up uh, the next generation of Australians to appreciate hospitality uh, and want to work in the industry. And that certainly is, uh, is going to be helped along by the resilience of the industry through COVID uh, and certainly helping the industry to settle into all of the technological um, changes that have been made uh, and help them to transition, you know, out of taking telephone orders uh, that, um, you know, and reservations that uh, many restaurateurs, you know, told me that they did at the beginning of the pandemic. And, you know, they had been very much uh, traditional in the way that they did things uh, to ensure that the industry is ready uh, for a post-COVID environment where uh, it could potentially look much different than it did in 2019. Mm. Well, Wes, I told you that you could do a state of the world. So <laughs> is there, have you got any final words of, I don't know, wisdom, stoicism, advice for the restaurateurs and hospitality workers listening to this? Well, what I would say is that we follow the hospitality industry around the world. And while Australia was lagging behind many other uh, developed countries uh, throughout the early part of 2021. Uh, as far as COVID goes and vaccination rates and reopening, uh, Australia is now zooming past uh, many other developed countries and certainly is going to rise to the top for vaccination rates uh, and for easing of restrictions. Uh, and we just call upon uh, the entire industry to continue to be COVID safe uh, in 2022. Uh, so that we can get fully reopened to the rest of the world and we can be humbled but also proud uh, to have come out of the other side of COVID, a better industry. Great. Well, um, and thanks so much for your part in that. It's been great to catch up. Appreciate your time as always, Wes. Thanks, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. 
hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is